Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native land of China, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades before bringing the ministry to the West in 1962. The Life Study of the Bible is a significant contribution to the heritage of Bible exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring short portions of this spoken ministry to you on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's Life Study. The Bible reveals God's doings, His deeds, and His activities. Included among these are His creation of the universe and all things in it but also many spiritual accomplishments such as incarnation and crucifixion and ascension are part of his doings. But the Bible also reveals God's speaking, a speaking that equals, perhaps even surpasses, the great and mighty deeds of our wonderful divine and eternal Father. Another marvelous word from this life study of Philippians awaits us in the next 26 minutes. And uh, once again, joining us for these enjoyable minutes is Ron Kangas. Ron, I'm glad you're here today. I'm also glad, by the Lord's mercy, I'm happy in the Lord to explore with you, Chris, and to the listeners more aspects of the experience of Christ and the practicality and the constancy of God's salvation revealed in this book. On the one hand, this book is so profound. On the other hand, it's practical and experiential in an immediate and daily way, if we can uh, get beyond some of the natural limiting concepts and explore in the light of the Word the riches of the divine revelation. Mm. Ron, this is a program that offers us several, I would say, intriguing and interesting components. Uh, There are two lines in God's purpose that we just mentioned in the uh, opening today, God's doings and His speaking. Uh, Then we're going to see two becomings, as we will hear it described, of Christ in a few moments. But my hope today is that we wouldn't just occupy our listeners with intriguing or new or interesting points from the Bible. I really believe, Ron, there's revelation, there's real light contained in this message today, light that could make a life difference for all that can get into it. Does your feeling match mine, or did I overstate? I have no registration that you overstated at all. I like this expression, life difference, light that can make a life difference. Uh, We appreciate the proper knowledge of the Scriptures and the proper teaching of this kind of knowledge to God's people. However, and this however uh, is deliberate, we may have the knowledge, but we may not have the light and the unveiling that issue in a life difference. When it comes down to it, Chris, God did not give us the Bible so that we would have information as an end in itself. God gave us his revelation so that by it we would be enlightened to realize 
things concerning him and concerning our life in him that will make, to use your expression again, a life difference. One reason this study of the word generically is called life study is that the study makes a life difference. And why does it make a life difference? Well, one reason is that through this study, we endeavor to touch the life element in the word that we are studying. And the life element in the word ministered to us makes a life difference. And another reason I would add to end this segment of interchange on this point is that before this word was ministered to us through the ministry of our brother, it made a life difference in his own life. And the result of that is he's not giving us theory or speculation or mere interpretation, but a presentation of the truth under the divine revelation and under the shining of the divine light so that when we receive it and then return to the book of Philippians to consider it, the result is a life difference. Let's join uh, Witness Lee now. We're going to look at I mentioned a moment ago, we were going to talk today about the two becomings of Christ. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit a marvelous spiritual reality before us. Let's join Witness Lee. In the whole universe, God has two lines of matters. The first line is of God doing. Through this line of God doing, God has had quite a few steps to... uh, make himself firstly incarnated. God became a man. And then in the man, he was crucified and buried. And then he rose up in his rising up. First Corinthians 15.45 tells us he became something else. Firstly, as the Word, he became a man. Now, in resurrection, he became a life-giving spirit. You have two becames in the original Greek text. The first became is in John 1.14. The Word became. He was not made flesh. He became flesh. He was God. And he, being God, as the Word, took the initiative to become a man. He became a man to accomplish the redemption. Then after this, he was buried and he was resurrected. In his resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us he became further something. The last Adam became, again, became a life-giving spirit. Now, who is he? 
He is the life-giving spirit for mankind just to breathe in. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And this life-giving spirit is just our God. It's just our Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our God, is the Creator, the Redeemer, the Savior, and He's now our Lord and Master, not only so. He is ultimately, consummately, the life-giving Spirit within you and in your spirit. And now you are joined to Him as one Spirit. This is one line. Ron, I think that many believers that are familiar with the Bible know of John 1.14 that says, God, the Word, became flesh. But the second of these two becomings, found in 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit, is not nearly as familiar. If we look at these two becomings in the sequence that the Bible presents them, it makes a strong case for the understanding that God purposely and specifically went through a process, doesn't it? It does make a strong case, but in order to be impressed with this strong case on behalf of God being processed, we need a general understanding of the thought of the Bible as a whole, and we need a particular unveiling, especially of the content of 1 Corinthians 15.45. If we have an understanding of the general thought of the Bible, we will begin to realize that God's intention from the beginning, even from the eternal beginning, is to dispense himself into the man created in his image and to work himself into this created and redeemed man for his corporate expression. Now, God dwells in unapproachable light, How can we approach him, let alone have him, as such a God, dwell in us? The answer is that without in any way changing or jeopardizing his eternal Godhead, God, who is immutable in his essence and attributes, in his economy, that is, in Christ, through Christ, incarnation, human living, death, resurrection, and ascension, God was processed in such a way that he could enter into human vessels. The verses we're considering with the two becames are intrinsically related to this process. All Bible-believing, Orthodox Christians believe in the first became. The word, that is God, became flesh, a human being. And the designation of that incarnated word elsewhere in the scripture is the first man, Adam. And as the word incarnate, Christ accomplished redemption for us that we may be forgiven, cleansed, justified by faith, and reconciled to God then on the basis of that, we may be regenerated. But still, God is outside of us. He's not in us. So there must be the second became, 
which is related not to Christ's incarnation, but to his resurrection. And this involves Christ in resurrection becoming a life-giving spirit as the fulfillment of his word in John 14. To be frank, there has been fierce opposition to this truth of the word, especially by those under religious veils, not knowing the central thought of God in the word, not knowing God in his economy. And the unfortunate result is that believers are left with part of the truth, with part of God's salvation, but not with God being their subjective experience as well as their objective Lord and Savior. We unashamedly say, faithfully, honestly, truthfully, based on the Word of God, that in his economy, in Christ, God took a series of steps that are a process, and the issue of that process is that the God who in himself dwells in unapproachable light now in Christ as the Spirit dwells in us. This is the emphasis in this portion we're considering. And it's crucial that we see this by revelation through enlightenment so that we may have the same kind of experience that Paul had as testified in the book of Philippians. Well, I think we got past the interesting and intriguing and into the light there. I pray that we have the same result in the sections just ahead. Let's go on. We saw that in God's purpose, there is the line of his doing, his deeds. Now, we also have another line in the carrying out of his purpose, and that is of his speaking. And for this, we want to use Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, having spoken of old in many portions and in many ways to the fathers in the prophets, has at the last of these days spoken to us in the Son. I love this verse. Let's join Witness Lee. You know what? There's another line. The other line is God speaking. The first line is God doing. And God doing issues the life-giving spirit. And God speaking. Oh, God speaks. He is the speaking God. So God speaking. Now we have what? We have the word. In the first line of God's doing, the Spirit is here. That is the life-giving Spirit. Until God's speaking, the Word is here. And this is the Word of life. I always like to uh, use electricity as a very good illustration. You all know, with electricity, there are two kinds of wires. One is called antenna. The other is called ground. The spirit is the antenna. And the word is the ground. Our God today is altogether entirely ready for your enjoyment. Electricity has been installed into this building. What we need is just to have the antenna plus the ground. What is the antenna? The spirit. The life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. 
He is within you. But for you to enjoy this, you need the ground where. What is the ground where? The Bible, the Word. Hallelujah. For God's Spirit and for God's Word. Out of His doings, He is now the life giving Spirit. And out of speaking, we have a Bible here. Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful? Within, we have the Spirit. In our hand, we have the Word. Oh, these are the two biggest gifts just for us to enjoy. So what? You have to realize this Word is just the embodiment of the living God. Now you understand. The Word is God. And the Word He speaks are spirit and life. You shouldn't separate these three. God, the Word, and the Spirit. They are one. God is the Word, and the Word is the Spirit. Wonderful. Ron, the first line, the line of God's doing, has a specific result or outcome, and that is that it consummates with this life-giving Spirit, meaning that God himself is the life-giving Spirit. Similarly, the second line, that of God's speaking, consummates in the Word being not just the written record of His speaking, but the Word being the Word of life. Say something about this Word being the Word of life. Okay, and as I do, I'd like to uh, quite joyfully, actually, uh, point out the centrality of life uh, with respect both to the Spirit and to the Word. The Spirit is the life giving spirit. And the word, using Paul's expression in Philippians chapter 2, is the word of life. Many precious believers uh, know something of the Spirit and have experienced something of the Spirit, but not that many emphasize the aspect of life. Right. And the principle's the same, unfortunately, with the word The written Word of God is many things. It's the Word of grace. It's the Word of truth. It's a sanctifying Word. We have the highest regard for the Word of God written, but we need to pay attention to the Word as the Word of life. In the Bible, we have a marvelous revelation of what Paul calls the life that is really life. The life that is really life is the life of God, and actually it is God himself as life. This life is embodied in the Word, causing the Word to become the Word of life. For us to contact the Word as the Word of life means that we exercise ourselves to touch and receive the life element, God himself as life, in the Word, and to have that life element transmitted into us. In this light, I find it significant that the Lord Jesus would say in John 6.63, the words that I speak unto you are spirit and life. So I hope that many of our listeners 
out of their honest seeking before the Lord, will ask themselves what the Bible is to them, actually and practically. And some may have to admit, I do not know much yet about the Bible being the word of life to me. I know something of truth, and thank the Lord for that. But life, this is largely unexplored territory. So we would like to commend to our listeners the need to consider before the Lord to what extent the Word of God written is to us in our experience in a consistent way the Word of life imparting the life of God, imparting God as life into us that we may enjoy Him, live Him, and experience His salvation day by day. Ron, we had another topic scheduled uh, to cover today in the light of the amount of time remaining. I think we're going to postpone that. You and I, uh, Lord willing, will have the opportunity to be together again in just a few days. I'd like to leave everything we've uh, been able to get down intact today pretty much because I do believe the Lord has honored our our heart's desire. Uh, These matters are full of uh, spiritual significance and really the shining and the light and the revelation incorporated as we began today is incumbent upon really entering into this, isn't it? It is, and it's good to have the flexibility by the Lord's grace so that we can focus on really what our burden is. This is a life study of the Scriptures. We study to understand accurately and to communicate accurately the truth. But there also is the desperate need for us to touch the life in the Word. God is life. Christ is life. The Spirit is the Spirit of life. The Word is the Word of life. We must know life. We must receive life through the Word. Then, with Paul, we can hold forth the Word of life. Why does Paul say not hold forth the Word of knowledge? or even the word of truth in this context, but the word of life. Our burden in particular in this broadcast, in this very fellowship, is to hold forth the word of life to all of God's children, especially to the hungry and seeking saints of God. Ron, a book title comes to mind, This is unplanned, but Witness Lee has a book that we uh, have here at Living Stream called The Crucial Revelation of Life in the Scriptures. I believe that's the title. This would be, I think, something we could heartily recommend to our listeners. This revelation of life, end to end, page one to the final, is incorporated into the entire Bible, isn't it? It is. And as I have been considering what we call the line of life in the book of Genesis, I was reminded of that book And I was there for many of the messages when they were given in 1969. And uh, I'm refreshed by referring to that book myself. And I heartily uh, enter into your feeling that concerning life, we need the basic revelation of life in the Scriptures. And anyone who really has an appetite for the life experience 
And to go back to something from our introductory fellowship, to learn things that make a life difference would surely be supplied, enlightened, nourished, educated, and enlightened by considering the precious messages in this book, The Crucial Revelation of Life in the Scriptures. Well, as I said, Ron, uh, we'll invite you back in just a few days, and thank you very much for being with us, and uh, appreciate the fellowship very much. Very enjoyable today. Uh, You're welcome, and I look forward to more fellowship next time. And we'll uh, let Leah and the others in our uh, staff know to expect some calls regarding this book that we've mentioned now, uh, The Crucial Revelation of Life in the Scriptures. In addition, of course, we have the printed Life Study messages. And now let me give you our toll-free number and invite you to contact us about either of those or just to give us your comments. And it's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Join us again. We'll continue next week with another life study from the book of Philippians. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. The Stream Magazine is a quarterly publication featuring the writings of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee from Living Stream Ministry. Recent issues have covered such biblical truths as the assurance of salvation, regeneration, and God's purpose, His eternal plan. So call today for a free complimentary issue of The Stream Magazine. Our number is 1-888-543-3788.